It's good to be back here. I used to come here every year, like for 10 years straight. I, I think your first year was my first year here, because he introduced me as the wrong person. Um, I still remember, because he goes, yeah, I just heard him recently at Urbana. I'm like, I wasn't at Urbana. It was, it was some other Asian speaker. and It was just funny that... That's the only time it's ever happened to me. Um, but uh, just a lot of good memories. And I, I realized, wow, this is the longest gap I've had of not being at Westmont. So it's good to be back. And even this morning I was praying with uh, Pastor uh, Britt Merrick and just praying that something supernatural would happen in this room today. Um, because I just, I don't want to think that I flew out all the way out here and, you know, just jammed out here for... 20 minutes of a sermon. I, I just, I always want something supernatural. I want to go, okay, God, you could do anything right now. And I didn't come here just to give a sermon. I want to see your power. I want there to be real fruit. And we're just on our faces just before God to say, God, God, do something. A passage that the Lord put on my mind was Acts 4, verse 31 where it says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. I love that because I think, God, I'm praying to that same God where, Lord, right now, like I could pray, we could pray, and then there could just be this massive earthquake. You know, you could do anything, God, and I want to experience that. That's what we're wrestling with this morning, going, God, we see so much more of you here, and we want it all. We believe we can have it all, and God, we want that. And, and, uh, and a lot of times before I pray, this is the thought I have in my mind, like, God, I want it to happen. And, and it was about a month or two ago that I was at a, a concert, actually my daughter's concert. She's been, you know, released her first album and now she's touring around and I tag along and speak at the end. And, and, uh, and, and I'm back there and she's singing and I'm just saying, God, have something happen. I've been praying the same prayer for like 20 years. Like I want something supernatural while I'm speaking. I don't want to get out there and just talk. God, would someone die or something while I'm speaking? Seriously, I, I'm just so bored. I, I just want to know that you showed up in the middle of it. Or, you know, and I, and I thought about that, you know, Acts 4 passage. I just read, oh, God, you, you shook the place. And I'm on my knees, you know, backstage, just going, God, would you shake the place? Would you do something? And then I thought of Elijah and, and how my favorite passage, you know, and James 5 talks about how he was a man just like us. And I'm going, God, you tell me I'm just like Elijah. And he called down fire from heaven. And everyone walked away amazed by you, not by Elijah. I go, I want that. I want people to walk away going, man, something happened in that room. Fire came down from heaven. The place in which we, we prayed, it was shaking. And as I'm on my knees, kind of almost pleading with God, almost, almost questioning Him. Like, God, why? If you say my prayers are the same as Elijah's, how come fire is not coming down from heaven? I'm not experiencing that. How come the room's not shaking? And I've asked for that. And it was like the first time I felt like God gave me an answer. Basically said, Francis, 
Elijah was on Mount Carmel facing hundreds of prophets that were ready to kill him. You're at a Christian concert. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's just this thought of, wow, what a, what a gap there. And, and here you see, uh, you know, and, and again with this passage in Acts chapter 4, is after Peter and John were arrested. They were arrested in, in, in chapter uh, 4, verse, verse 13. It says people saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished. They saw the boldness of these people, these two guys, and, and the way they would stand before the authorities like the Scripture said they would. And, and they were given these words to speak bold words. And then when the people released them, then in context, they get back together with the other believers. And, and in verse uh, 29, it says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through, your, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And then when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. It was in the context of them coming out of prison, getting with the other believers and saying, God, make us more bold, make us more bold, make us more bold. And then it all, God also opened my eyes to that verse because it says, yes, the place was shaken and... They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. And it showed me how badly I wanted that first part of the verse, just for the room to be shaken. And that that became so much of my heart's desire rather than the people being filled with the Holy Spirit to leave the room and speak the Word of God with courage. And it showed me how so much, he, I mean, he was just opening my eyes as I'm in prayer before I'm about to speak on, well, we always want in our gatherings to experience God in here. We want the ground to shake. I want the ground to shake. But when you look in Scripture, the powerful supernatural where they really experienced the Holy Spirit was when they were out there speaking the Word of God in boldness. And I thought, wow, so often, God, I want everyone to experience you when we're gathered together in a room like this. And as Christians, you know, we'll... We'll get these gatherings where we have these worship times, and we're like, "Oh, sing that song one more time, one more time." We, we you know, I think we're starting to feel the spirit. You know, I was like, oh, I think I felt him. You know, and and it's all about, did you feel him? Did you experience him? Wasn't that awesome in that gathering? And yes, it does happen. But you look in Scripture, and it's it's when they're out there, when they're in prison, when they're living lives that took some boldness. I mean, Jesus explained that his presence would be with us always, right? But look at the context of that. The context is in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, when he says, you know, you go, 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 go make disciples, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, 
to the very... Where's the context of Jesus being right there with us? It's as we're going out and making disciples. As we're baptizing people. And I know that's a passage that so many of you have memorized. And you know it. You know Matthew, 8, Matthew 28. That, that's, that's one of the first passages we learn. It's, man, that's a great commission. We go out and make disciples. But, man, how many of us have done that? I mean, how many people have you baptized? You know, and, and I just want to speak to that for a second because this is one of those things that the Lord has just laid on my heart so heavily that the future of the church is all about you going out and making disciples. Not about bringing them into a room where... The pastor does it for you, and the staff does it for you, and he leads your friends to the Lord, and then he disciples them, and, and you know, and, and oh, we've got a staff that'll, you know, disciple the men. We've got a staff that'll, you know, teach the kids and the youth and the college students. And when in reality, it was like, no, let's equip you to do that. A lot of you guys know I, I, I pastored a church uh, just down the road, about an hour from here in Simi Valley, and it's a church that my wife and I started about almost 20 years ago. And uh, love the church. Still love it. Um, I feel like the Lord has taken me from there out to San Francisco now and um, working in the inner city in San Francisco, and, which is a whole different world for me. But uh, I remember when I first started uh, preaching and first started the church, I went and I, I listened to this pastor talking about his ministry. And it was awesome. You know, as a new guy, you know, you want to listen to the guy with the big church and go, okay, what are they doing? What's going on over there? And he started to talk about their Christmas program. And they had an amazing Christmas program. And he just talked about the hundreds of thousands of dollars they put into this to make it excellent because they wanted to be the best for God. And I thought, man, that's so cool. And then he talked about all the people that showed up. And he talked about how people from the congregation would come every week and they would rehearse, you know, 10, 15 hours a week for months so that when this program happened, you know, there would just be a ton of fruit. It would be excellent, a gift to the Lord. And I thought, man, that's really, really good. But I was a new pastor. I had just started ministry. And, and I remember going up to that guy afterwards and saying, hey, I just got I have a little question. You know, I think it's so cool what you're doing. I hope to do that one day. But, you know, you talk about all of these believers coming to the church building to rehearse for this Christmas musical like 10, 15 hours a week for months. I go, I'm figuring all this stuff out. I go... If they spent that 10 or 15 hours a week getting to know their neighbors and inviting them over for dinner and sharing their faith with them, wouldn't they have accomplished a lot more for free? And, and I remember, I still remember what he said to me. He looked at me and goes, well, of course. But people aren't willing to do that. And I go, oh yeah, that's true. Like, that was my response. But that's not my response anymore. Now my response is, but that's stupid. <laughs> you know, 
so we can't, we can't change the whole system of what God called us to do, of going out and making disciples, because people aren't willing to do it. So therefore, rather than getting together and praying for that courage so that we actually would reach out and make disciples, instead, we, we create a whole different program so it doesn't require courage. And I said, that's lame. Okay, so they won't go and get out, you know, to speak to their neighbors, but they'll dress up as a reindeer. So let's do that, you know, and that won't require courage. And let's just circumvent this whole thing of, man, don't you see, here's Peter and John who were terrified. The world was astonished by their courage, astonished by their boldness, and they get together and pray for more courage. The Apostle Paul who had so much courage. You know, we think of him as a, one of the most courageous men in history. We see him at the end of Ephesians going, pray for me. You guys, I need your prayers to, to speak boldly as I ought. Because I need that type of boldness. Pray for me. Peter and John, get together. Pray for me. And yet what we've done is not get together and say, Give me courage because I know I need to talk to this guy at work. Give me courage because I know I'm not going out and making disciples. I'm scared. Let's just admit it. I, I'd rather do just about anything than share my faith and be rejected. I remember sitting at a Christian college and, and being challenged about faith, and I thought, wow, what's the one thing I really do not want to do? And that's go out and talk to people about Jesus that I know I would be rejected by. Or the chance of being, you know, rejected by. I didn't want to do it. And so we busy ourselves with all these other things and, and kind of say, oh, you know what, but I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Meanwhile, we all know it's just scary. It's difficult. But man, until we all just are honest with that and get together and say, man, pray for me because this is what I'm here on the earth to do. And yet I don't want to do it. I don't want to be rejected. I hate being rejected. I don't know what to say when I come into those situations. I, I, I get all nervous. My heart starts pounding. I don't even know how to start the conversation. I don't know how to get it onto the topic of God. And then when I get onto the topic of God, I'm scared they're going to ask me questions that I can't answer. And let's talk about those things. And let's pray for the courage and then go out and do it. Rather than, well, let's come up with a whole new system again and create a way in which it's cool, and we won't be rejected, and it won't be hard, and it won't require courage. I, uh, I remember when I was in high school, my, my youth pastor would just, he wouldn't go on the campus sharing his faith. That was my job, you know, and he prepared me for it and said, go for it. I remember as a junior in high school, just going through the yearbook and looking at all the seniors that were graduating and just calling them one at a time. Everyone that I knew, you know, that was a senior, like, dude, this is the craziest phone call, okay? I know this is weird to you, but... And I remember just getting on my knees and saying, God, you've got to save this person. It's got to happen. But after a while, you know, when everyone else just said, ah, oh, just bring them to the church, just do this, just do that, give them a tape or whatever, else, pretty soon it all became about get them to this gathering, get them to this, get them to that, rather than me personally sharing with them. And we got to get back to that. And i gotta, I got to ask you, how much time do you spend 
going out and talking to people about Jesus and actually fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm guessing a lot of you are saying, I'm not really experiencing God like I, I, like I want to. Like I see the supernatural and I, and I want that. And I want to see the miracles. I want to experience the Spirit. And what I'm saying is, we always want to experience the Spirit in here or in our time alone with God. And yet, read the Scriptures. When do people really see the power of the Holy Spirit? It's when they are on Mount Carmel. It's when they're in the fiery furnace. When, when you've got Jews ready to, to stone you to death like, like uh, Stephen when he's given his speech. When, when, uh, you know, then suddenly he sees God or when they're in the fire, it's like suddenly there's another person in there. When they're in the lion's den, it's, 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 it's Jesus saying, you know, stay in this room. Stay in this room until the Spirit comes. You're going to receive power for what? To be my witnesses. It's not to receive the power just so that you have power. It's not praying God shake the room because that would be awesome. And I feel like that was kind of my prayer. Like, God, I want to do that. I want to see a shake. But that wasn't the point. The point was they went out with courage, with boldness. Luke, Luke 12 says, uh, in verse 11 and 12, it says, when you're standing before the authorities and you don't know what you're going to say, he goes, don't worry about it. He says, at that very hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Like at that moment. When? What moment? When you're terrified. When you're actually in that position of risk. When you've actually started the conversation going, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what they're going to say. He says, you know what? Right then, at that very hour, that's when the Holy Spirit's going to happen. That's when you're going to experience His, His power, that super, that intimacy you've been looking for. It's when you're in danger. It's when you're out there sharing your gospel, sharing His gospel, when you're out there actually making disciples, when you're out there being His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Look, one of the things that motivated me to leave the church in Simi Valley um, and go somewhere new was I looked at the church one day and I, I said, one of my big concerns is I hear the words Francis Chan more than I hear the words Holy Spirit. And that's a very bad place to be as a church. When we're so reliant on a person rather than each person going, everyone in this room going, the Spirit of God is inside of me. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead, is inside of here. I, 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 have, I have a power. Like This isn't normal. It's, it's like that holy of holies. You know, we're, we're in the Old Testament. It's like, man, don't you dare go in the holy of holies. You'll die in the holy of holies. Don't you dare come into the presence of God. That's, that's where He dwells. That's where He tabernacles. And then you've got in the New Testament that, man, I'm that holy of holies now, and now the Spirit dwells inside of me? That's a serious power. 
And for us all to really believe that and believe that we can do something. And, and yet even, even myself, like I'm, I'm reminded, I, I've been uh, just kind of knocking on doors, you know, in the, the inner city in San Francisco. And man, I'm, I'm scared. Every day I'm scared. And, and yet some things are happening, some supernatural things. And, and there's this one guy, oh, I love him, this guy James. Met him a few months ago. In fact, he just turned 59 last week. And, uh, and, and I, I remember when I found out how old he was, I just, you know, I'm, I'm in his room, you know, he's smoking pot, he's on methadone, he's drinking, you know, Telemundo's going on, he doesn't even speak Spanish, he's just, all this noise is happening in his room, and, and I'm just going, James, man, are you ready to see God? You know, I like you, and, and I'm worried that, and he goes, he goes, oh, I'll be fine, and I'm like, no, there's no way you'll be fine when you see God, and I just, Started, you know, preaching to him. Just, just me and him in his apartment, you know, with a buddy of mine. And I'm just going, man, look at what happened when people saw God. Isaiah was a prophet, and he just freaked out. He go, ah, oh, he's gonna kill me. And I'm just screaming. He go, man, do you see what the angels are doing? And you're gonna walk up to him, you know, smoking, you know, and, and God's gonna be fine with you. And he just starts freaking out. And I'm going, man, do you want me to pray over you? Do you want Jesus in your life? real thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We pray. You know, he's got like goosebumps all over his body. Go, man, what just happened? And, you know, we baptized him a couple of weeks later and, and we just had a birthday party for him at my house. And, and he's like, man, pray for me. He was just baptized three weeks ago. He goes, pray for me. I, I've never been clean on the first of the month. First of the month when everyone gets their check and everyone just goes nuts in that area. It's just, he goes, it's been about probably 25 years since I've not been completely bombed on the first day of the month, and, and that's coming in a couple of days. And uh, I said, yeah, definitely. And So I'm thinking last week, first of the month, I'm going to go to James' apartment. I'm going to hang out with him all day and uh, just make sure he doesn't do anything wrong. I'm going to fix this guy. And, uh, and then I get the flu. I think, oh man, I can't even get out of bed. I feel terrible. It's the first of the month. Lord, he's going he's gonna to blow it. Um, and one of the volunteers has been working with me, this, this kid named Aaron, goes and visits him. But in my head, I'm thinking, this guy re- literally has been addicted for about 40 years. 40 years. You don't send little Aaron after 40 years. <laughs> this guy needs Francis Chan. You know? Aaron. He hasn't even written anything. So, you know, the, so in my head, it's like, ah, oh, man, what's going to happen? You know, again, it's a, it's a flesh. The very thing I confront other people on, I'm thinking, no, i got to be there. we got to bring me in. I'm going to do something. You know, as though any of us could talk someone into following Jesus and staying clean after 40 years of addiction. I get a call from Aaron. Is that Thursday night? And he's, Francis, I got to tell you what happened. He goes, so I pick James up in the morning and I go, hey, let me teach you how to go to the bank, you know, and, uh, and deposit money or, you know, put it on this little card so you don't just go out and buy drugs all day, you know, and blow it all in a day. 
And so they went, and he got all his money on this little card, and, and, uh, and James goes, man, I've never done that. And it's been at least 25 years since I've done this. And Aaron's like, let's celebrate. Let's, let's celebrate. You know, let's get in my car. I want to take you out to dinner. You know, so they, they start driving, and, you know, he goes, oh, I know of a good place. I'm going to take you to this, you know, restaurant. And he gets lost, He's like, oh man, you know, he's on his iPhone. He goes, ah, forget it. There's Popeyes. Let's go to there. And let's just get some chicken. And, and so they're sitting at Popeyes, and, and Aaron's telling me how excited he goes, man, I'm walking through Romans 8 with him, talking about how he's going to put this thing to, to death now. And we're so excited because, you know, it's first of the month, and, and, and he's been clean. And, uh, and, uh, and Aaron goes, tell me how this started. When did the drug start? And James goes, he goes, I was 19 years old. He goes, 19 years old, exactly 40 years ago. He goes, I was working at a restaurant and my manager brought in cocaine. And he says, you want to just try some? And he goes, man, I'd smoked, you know, I drank, but I just thought, let me try this. He goes, I tried it, and I was hooked. It just got me immediately. I just couldn't get enough. He goes, but I'll never forget just sitting there in that back room. It was this, uh, and he goes, It was in this restaurant. Because is this five ninety nine to visit Dara? This used to be, and he named the restaurant. It was in this room. And he just stands up and he just starts laughing. And he goes, Wow, forty years. I've been in the desert forty years. And God took me back to the very room where it all started to deliver me. He goes, if I ever question God, I will never question Him again. And right there, they just celebrated and worshipped in the middle of Popeyes. You know? Oh, isn't that the coolest? And I'm on the other line, just, you know, Aaron just going, man, it was like the greatest day of his life. I can't believe I experienced this. And here I was just going, wow, thinking that God would need me, you know, and, uh, and forgetting. And, man, the Lord is after these people. And it's when the everyday person just goes out and takes a step of faith that the supernatural happens. And... I don't know what I was more excited about, uh, James or Aaron, you know? I, just to hear this young guy just beside himself because now he's going, this is all I want to experience. And then visiting James two days ago and him going, Francis, did you hear the story? I go, yeah, I heard the story. He goes, man, I, I got chills right now just thinking about it again. He goes, it's all I can think about. And now it's so cool because his... His salvation doesn't rest on eloquent speech or man's wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit's power. And isn't that what we all want? But it's most likely not going to happen in this room. And I want to pray for you. 
I don't want to pray that the room shakes. Oh, that would be cool still. Um, but we're always about experiencing the Spirit in here. Rather than going out, living by courage, and really experiencing the Holy Spirit of God like they did back then. So let me pray for us. Let's remember who we're speaking to. Let's remember that this is the same God of Peter and John, Elijah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Noah, Moses, Paul, God, I pray for courage. To go out and make disciples. To be your witnesses. God, what Aaron experienced last week, God, I want everyone in this room to experience. It's your spirit moving as we go out and make disciples. That you'd give us words to say. That you would just have the supernatural happen, Father. So at the end, people would give glory to you and not to us. God, we want them talking about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, not about us. And so God, I pray, kind of like Peter and John and the believers back then, God, how they wanted courage and you, you filled them with your Spirit and they walked out and they spoke even more boldly. I pray that, that Westmont College, if something would happen in this room, God begins on this campus, but it causes them to go out into the most terrifying places and, and have some of the most terrifying conversations because they can't control it, God, and yet your Holy Spirit will give them the words to say when it happens. God, get us out of our comfort so that we can really experience you. God, today, I know they're going to go on spring break and do some mission trips, and I, I pray that there would be great courage there, but even before that, Lord, God, I pray for more courage for all of us, Lord. I don't want to be a coward, God. I don't want to end my life as a coward. I want to be bold. We all want to be bold. And we confess, God, we just get scared. We just get nervous. And some of us would rather do anything than tell a stranger about the Jesus Christ who changed our lives. Change our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.